Welcome to... Uh, oh, wait, we're recording? Our third episode. Oh, yeah, we are. <laughs> I am Blaze Weller. I am Ray Jorgov. And together we are the, <laughs> the Film, film Dicks. And uh, Ray is... That was a pretty good indicator right there at the beginning. Ray uh, has yeah. come over today to my lovely house, and he's brought himself snacks, but none for Blaze. Well, yeah, I don't know so. if, it, if it's none for Blaze, but I noticed he's eating up... Nature Valley brand granola bars. They're the jam. I love it. That's one of my favorite hiking shit. It really is. So is when it, I, wait, it's not the chewy shit, is it? No. The the hard, crunchy? Well, this is this is hard and kind of chewy on the top. No, what's yeah. this? Is this a hard one? Yeah. No, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. I don't um, go for that chewy shit. <clears throat> really? Yeah, well, I like those. Chewy I like granola those. bars. They're not granola bars. So you got some peanut butter in yeah, there? Yeah, man. Yeah. yeah, no, they're good. I yeah. literally just eat this and like other brand like granola stuff at work, like quote-unquote, pack my lunch with just, like, water bottles and granola bars for an entire day's shift, so... Yes, why don't you tell the audience where you work? No. Yeah, go ahead. What the fuck? I don't wanna... You you are such a wuss. I am. You don't wanna say where you work? I think it's fucking... I mean, that's what you gotta do. Yeah, man. So, I work for an independent... I guess they're independent contractor for Amazon. So we basically deliver oversized packages oh my to, God. to Just people. Just say you're a fucking driver for no. Amazon. Anyway. Technically, I'm not a driver. but So Ray worked out. out before he came over here. And I'm, pr- I'm proud of you for driving. I did. I used to work for UPS for a short part of my career before yeah. I it's a, It's a double-edged sword because it's like... You feel good. You have good encounters with people because it, it is very much like customer service. Like if you work like retail, sure. And you could have good days with like customers and like make people's days, but then there's days where I like hate people. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, especially you know, the past week when after this whole like ice storm that we had. You you got the right kind of jeans though. I'm sure that you're treated a lot better than yeah. I got Levi jeans. So other yeah, people not as gifted in the. I don't Clark Gable, as I said before, yeah. you're a, a baby of Clark Gable and Jason Momoa, so I'm sure you get Let's make that happen. He's getting a divorce. And so. they're all nice <laughs> the whole time. Uh, anyway, Ray yeah. came over, he worked out, so I did. he should be in a better mood. Yeah, man, I was, I was feeling off last week, and I think audience will definitely get a feel for it. And I think a, a part of that made us kind of like just talk in circles a little bit. Yeah, we were, actually. we were definitely talking circles. But so it was, a, it was a little rough episode last week, but I think this week, with the the choice that you gave us, oh, I think we'll sweet. be set, man. I think we'll be set. Well, and I'll definitely have... unlike last week when I ran before we had the episode, <laughs> I didn't do shit. Well, I taught. I had you had to teach today, but that, you know that doesn't. That's not exercise. That's for the brain. It is, but mental, you gotta, gotta mental freaking move. You know, it's yeah. like ugh. I can't stand it. Anyway, so that's the setting. Ray's eating peanut butter granola bars. I am. I am. He looks in good health. He's looking as handsome as ever. I feel good. I look good. (laughs) And we are going, as we said in our last episode, our film today is Patterson. Patterson, yes. Yeah, I didn't really know much about this film, uh, like, at all. And then I went, you know, I watched it through Amazon Prime. That I guess that's... Not it's, exclusively there, but it, I, it may be exclusively there. Yeah, I was... All right, here, here's how. I enjoyed it, I think mostly because of the lead, and we'll, we'll get to that. Okay. It's like one of those... Oh, man, I was thinking of the word earlier today, like a slice of life For sure. Movies. It's, it's like a vignette. Vignettes of... Sort of. 
Yeah. It's definitely following a storyline, but... For sure. For sure. It's it's a week. It's kind of a week. The The film is a week in the, the life of this yeah. guy. I'm going to let you yeah. continue. No, no, no. I was going to say, no. Uh, you, you definitely have more to say about it. It's very... It deals with poetry. Therefore, it is very poetic. I probably won't be able to have too much to say about that because I'm not the biggest like poetry person in the world. Which does not matter, and it does not matter to our audience. You can or cannot. No, you be. can still appreciate oh, I'm this. Definitely going to without fill having in the knowledge, on that, but, but yeah. we're, and we're still going to talk about the poetry aspect. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't matter. We we welcome all. Uh, we don't have to be literary geniuses oh, no, by any no. means. But it's definitely. I think it's one of the best parts of the film, mm-hmm. personally. And, and, and that's why I'm, I'm going to be interested taste. to see why you think so okay because like i enjoyed it but i wasn't like over the moon yeah about it well i wasn't over the moon about it and i'm going to get into that because i i thought it could have been i thought it needed to be Mm -hmm. edited a lot more cleanly let's say it that way there was a lot i thought not a lot but there was definitely some segments that i felt if they were edited out this film would have been tighter and and more enjoyable. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, then maybe because I was trying to look, because of that poetry aspect, maybe I was looking into it more than I had to. Oh, that's cool. So I think certain, (laughs) like, shots were because of that poetic kind of flow through it. I think so. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. But those aren't the shots that I'm suggesting. Okay. I'm talking about issues with the actual storyline, not the cinematic quality or the feel that he's doing with the cinematography, Mm -hmm. which I think Jim Jarmusch is genius at. Mm -hmm. He's a a master of that type, which we'll talk about too. But the basic storyline is... Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. It's a... We will not stumble on this one. It's pretty pretty simple. It's a very simple story. It is a a gentleman that's a bus driver. It's a week in his life. He's a bus driver in Patterson, New Jersey, and he's a poet. And so it basically just follows through kind of what his life is on a day-to-day basis and where and kind of how he gets his muse and some of his inspiration and when he fits in the time to be able to write the poetry. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Not... Hard at all, very simplistic. <laughs> yeah, very easy. Which, and I liked those simple storylines, and I'm a sucker for any kind of small town classics all the way up until today. I still love when you can take a camera and let an audience feel kind of what a small town feels like. And I, I wished that more time would have been spent on the feel. And showing other parts of the town. Mm-hmm. Just a little bit more. I'm just being hypercritical as, as I am. You know, I, I teach this stuff too. So, And I thought, if you want to see like incredible films on, on place or a feeling or a, even a season, I think Friday, that film Friday, is just a, a must-see. And I, I think anybody that l- watches this film and likes it, go and watch Friday. Go and watch Do the Right Thing. And those are... Films that I think, not challenge, but do a better job of showing and making the audience feel what it feels like Mm -hmm. to either live in Brooklyn, New York, or and I know this is Patterson, New Jersey, but what my point is, or one of the things that I'm critical of is, I just want a little bit more time of him playing around cinematically with the feel of New Jersey, because all we saw was, not all, but... He was focused on where he lived. He lives with his girlfriend right. in a small house. The One of the places he went to was, a, I guess it's a famous waterfall in Patterson, New Jersey. And mm-hmm. he's driving around on the bus. 
and that that's what I wanted to see more of. I wanted more of the the bus and what are the things that he saw as he was driving around as a driver that even would inspire his poetry. And he did a little bit of it, but Jarmusch, th- this is his thing. I mean, he can he can nail this, and I, I just wanted a little bit more. That's fair. Yeah, I kind of, well, again, I keep going back to that kind of poetic aspect of it. And I feel like they were showing the same locations, basically, because of that. I, I think you're correct, yeah. yeah. Also because there, the, to, there's an aspect of the to the character himself, which... By the way, he's named Patterson. Yep. So he, his name that. is Patterson. He lives in Patterson, New Jersey. Uh, and there's several characters in the movie that make a reference to that. The Straight off the bat, you know, the first opening scene, when they're in bed, like Monday, I think it starts on a Monday, ends on a Sunday. So the opening shot on Monday morning, when he's getting out of bed, they do a quick kind of establishing shot, and there's a picture of him as a Marine. Yes. So I assumed he's this, like... He's got a structure to his life because of his time, you know, in service. He's developed a structure where he's kind of, I don't want to say OCD, but but you know what I mean. Like, discipline. I feel like service people sure. have those discipline and that like kind of regime, regime and do everything like daily routines, stuff like that. Because then he picks up his, I noticed he picked up his clothing. It was all folded up and neat. He, uh, throughout the week, he would eat breakfast from the same little glass cup. So I figured... The reason they were doing that is because he would walk to work. He, I guess he lived nearby to the bus station or the bus garage or yes. where he would depart from. He li- lived close by it, so he would always take the same path right. back and forth. But I don't know. I, maybe you got more. No, is that not something you, I was thinking it, about? That's a great thing. I was going to talk about that too. Okay. But, um, yeah, yeah, sweet. I don't know if you're aware. Do you know Adam Driver really was a Marine? So that's, yes, that's yes, an actual, yes, which Adam, is, that's an actual photo of Adam again, Driver. I am a sucker for military folk that become actors. Uh, Harvey Keitel is one of the first, the obvious that kind of comes. I did not mind. know that. Oh, fuck yeah. You did got, not know that. everyone has to listen to Harvey Keitel. Just, just look it up. Look up interview Harvey Keitel uh, in the dark. Mm. look that up because he talks about what he did during the service everything for boot camp but further down the road and his experiences and how he the darkness and the kind of feeling alone Mm -hmm. as a soldier which i think is a common thing believe it or not even though you're taught you know it's a team and Mm -hmm. that you're a part of a team etc but that loneliness and being unable to kind of have expression, and I, I'm not articulating this perfectly, just listen to how he describes it, but he speaks to how that was a huge driving force towards you know, him becoming an actor and mm-hmm. wanting to become an well, actor. Well, one of those things is they, and again, I'm, I'm a little ignorant to the fact, but I don't, maybe it's because they're told or just because of the nature of it. Maybe it's maybe the stereotype of like them bottling up all kinds of emotions. Yeah, and I don't think it's a stereotype. I, think it, I mean, it happens. It, yeah. it, it happens. I mean, there's so many people that I've heard stories of, you know, having breakdowns post. I mean, For sure. It's called... Um, PTSD. PTSD. There we go. Which a lot of military folk do not like. Uh, Doug Peacock also... So many military people <clears throat> become writers, actors. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's pretty impressive. Yeah. And it's, it, it's just and like it a, is, I think, what you're saying. It's an outlet for them yes, to release all of that. And then yeah. also the, yeah. the you know resistance to what they had to live through. And not necessarily... It's not like they're diminishing or saying, you know, fuck this or it was awful. Some of them do. But it's, it's just a natural 
there's a need yeah. to to yeah. be able to deal with kind of that well, it, superstructure and discipline. Exactly. And, and if you haven't gone through it yourself, we're never going to be able to understand what nope. they really have gone through. So, you know. Right. But just talking about that, Doug Peacock is a Green Beret. And if, you have, if you're a reader... Uh, check out his grizzly years one of the things that and i experience and have a special kind of section that i work with students that have served in the military and i always uh, try to get them to write about their experiences Mm -hmm. and kind of do a if if it's necessary a a way to deal with the ptsd or the the shock of either war or the hyper intensive situations that our military right. people have been in. But Grizzly Years, he's a Green Beret and he came back. And one of the things, the way he coped was he, he didn't want to be around any people. He was in the shit. He was in Vietnam. And he, that was the way, the way he dealt with that uh, loss of the incredible adrenaline of having to go down in holes. And that's part of what he did, which is amazing. And he writes about this. He tracked grizzlies, and it was the only thing he could do, and he writes about this too, without killing his fellow man, <laughs> that gave him that adrenaline rush, and then he that he was able to work a peaceful way to live, really, because he, you know, he had horrible situations anyway, but, but check that out. Jarhead is another one, and mm. um, well, I worked on it, I worked with... I'd be remiss if I didn't say this. I'm doing a plug here. But I have a uh, short story in a book called Home of the Brave. Stories in Uniform is the subtitle because there's a lot of Home of the Brave. And I wrote about uh, kind of a mixture of my father and my neighbor next door and living next door to a um, another veteran that was in the shit and was, you know, had issues because of it. It's a really It's a really good book. I'm not just saying that because I'm in it, but Kurt Vonner gets in it. Oh, I wish I could remember. Oh, T- Tobias Wolf, some pretty big names. So if you get a chance, check that out. It's all writings about their experiences or how they dealt with it afterwards. And you did that. That that's great that you picked up on that. That they show a a photograph next to the bed of him in uniform. Okay, so we're gonna <laughs> just to explain. We're cycling back to, we to are the movie. Cycling back. <laughs> we're, we're, that's that's what this is. Man. That's what we're, we kind of go on tangents about other here, stuff. We're so. not. We are not here to give movie reviews. We're here to fucking enjoy each other that's and true. talk. Right? That's true. That's so true. fuck it. Well, but but that was a perfect way, <clears throat> Jim Jarmusch genius, of quickly establishing a character. And I, I preach this all the time. You. You have to find ways to establish, especially this day and age, uh, establish your character, and then you move on. You put them in different situations, mm-hmm. at different interactions, etc. And they're so establish, and then show differences or similarities to you know who they are. But you, you have to establish them quickly. Yeah. And you now that I mean that that photograph says gives up an entire backstory, obviously. Exactly. And we yeah. don't even they don't even talk about it in the film. I, I don't think at all. Not that once. he served. Yes. The only thing that may 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 have kind of make, been a reference to it yes, is when it, later on in the movie he tackles the his I guess friend acquaintance acquaintance act, who's an actor within the movie who pulls out like a prop gun pretends to like hold right. him hostage or like put put the gun to his head he tackles him 
He tackles him quickly and, and this then, uh, disarms him. So yeah, that is a thread to that. I think that definitely is. And we're we're gonna we're gonna talk about that. So he's established as this this guy with a routine, and that routine. I I got I took a little time and looked up some Jim Jarmusch t- explanations or talking about the film, and mm-hmm. he talks. He does say that. You know, part of the reason that this guy gravitated towards being a bus driver is so that he would he'd have a routine where mm. he could fit in being a poet and write and still writing poetry on his lunch break and then sometimes after work, etc. Mm-hmm. So he mentioned that in there. Where, where do you want to go from there? What, what did you feel like? Well, uh, so we got. Well, let's talk about then. I guess in contrast, I think it was interesting. Uh, his girlfriend. Perfect. So, yeah. So they're both. They they establish that they're both like, sorry sorry, I'm I'm touching the table again. I, I, I talk with my hands. I can't help I'm it, man. Start smacking his hands. So they establish that they're both very like artistic people. However, as we've just went over, he's got the structure to his life and the routines that he goes through that inspire his poetry. And then we switch over to his girlfriend, which Lana, Laura, Laura, Laura. Her name is Laura, played by. Oh, I don't remember her name. Was it Golshifta Federhani? I'm, I'm not. I don't know why I just said Federhani. Like, like what's an accent? Farahani. Um, she's an Iranian actor, and in this film, she is a very simplistic, simple-minded. Even though she's an artist, one of the threads on her, which is kind, of, I enjoyed the thread of it, although. This is one of the parts that I thought needed to be edited like a motherfucker. Like, they needed to shrink down. There was too much of, uh, well, this this girlfriend in the picture in general. But definitely, there's many times in the film where he's like, oh, okay. And one of the threads that she has is uh, she's kind of flighty. And she's into everything. I don't know. It was interesting to see that, like, kind of like the contrast between them, because there were definitely moments where he was like looking at her, and it's like, oh, for sure, questioning what the hell is going on, <laughs> questioning her intelligence, like yeah. what, like what? So she yeah. paints this. This part I love. She paints paintings and the walls and everything black and white everything she has is black and white she paints her dress she paints the shower curtain she bakes cupcakes that are cupcakes and chocolate and cupcakes decorates with white flat, which is it was really cool yeah but she's all over the place yeah, she's, she's like much, yeah she thinks that she can sell her cupcakes and become a country uh, star become, and be, also yeah but make her cupcakes make, and become a famous have a business cupcakery yeah, person yeah have a business with then, cupcakes right she she gets a guitar yeah one of those um you know, lessons that, that are taught, you know, like a promotional ad on television. And, of course, her guitar is black and white. But she thinks that she could become a country star, a painter. So she's bouncing from – she's flighty. She's kind of all over the place about what she wants to do. And she's supposed to – that's the role of that character, which mm-hmm. is cool that you have the military, yeah, structured guy, one. but also he's trying to, you know, become yeah. a poet. Or he is a poet. He's, yeah. he's writing poetry. And – you know he's in love with and they're clearly in love he's in love with this girl that is f- more simplistic a little more flighty or definitely flighty well she's also more, more open yes which yeah, comes yeah. another aspect of his character absolutely and which reminds me because so as as the movie goes along they give us snippets of the sonnets i guess that, he, that he's writing 
Yeah, the um, poems. Or poems. Yeah. And he recites them. And as they're doing like either a little montage or, you know, he's sitting there writing. The first one he wrote was about a little box of matches. And it's very interesting because eventually he gets the last part of the poem. And I think it's where he says, where you're the cigarette, cig- cigarette, <laughs> cigarette, and I'm the match, or I the cigarette and you my match. Something like that. I, I, I'm sorry. It's not word. It's not verbatim. But basically, actually, now that I think about it, it, it represents their relationship because he was writing that as a love uh, poem for her, and that comes into play, and it shows how he's. I mean, he basically goes along with everything she she does, and is always supportive of her. And then she is actually just as much as she wants to do her stuff. She's supportive of him. In his poetry, and really much is the whole thing with her is that she wants him to make it public. She, yes. she wants him to publish, uh, publicize his poems. And she's constantly in the film saying, "Your poetry is so good. It's mm-hmm. so good. You have to put it out there." And I really, I like that part. And it, it's it's kind of it's a way that that character's developed. As a matter of fact, so you got a simplistic character, and she's establishes that, and one that's uh, whimsical and kind of flighty, mm-hmm. but yet. She's super supportive of him and his work, and wants wants him to do his poetry. And she keeps she keeps another thread is she keeps asking him to. She wants to get the poetry herself, or she wants him to copy it. To so for one thing, so there are copies, and then the other is mm-hmm. to find a way to distribute it. So yeah, she's she's very supportive of that. But there are several times in the film where he's sitting next to her. Or he give, he gives a sidelong glance like, yeah. oh my god, what is she doing now? And personally, I thought there was too much of it that we we could have trimmed down. You know, of course, do the cupcakes, of course, do the shower curtains, of course, do, but just too much of her in general. I would have I would have cut a good, I don't know, it, it's a lot. It's a lot of minutes in film time, but like five minutes of you know her personality or the repetition. Of her doing something mm-hmm. kind of flighty. What I would have liked to see more of is when he's driving around on the bus and the interactions, he doesn't interact at all. That's one of the things that I love about this character is that he's very quiet, he's mm-hmm. very uh, to himself, but he listens and he's a, an incredible observer. And you have to be that to be a writer or you know any kind of a poet, I would say. And he does it, and I was craving more. He listens to the dialogue of what people are saying on the bus. Mm, and that yes. that's that's Jim Jarmusch all the way. These moments, that's why I was referring to it as vignettes. Jim Jarmusch is more of kind of putting vignettes, moments in time together, than he is too concerned with a tight story and a storyline. Mm-hmm. That being said, give me some more vignettes of the city <laughs> of New Jersey. Show me what Patterson looks and feels like. I mean, he's a bus driver and... And I, I just I love the scenes where, the you know the cameras over the shoulder behind him, or as the observer, the point of view. When you got that giant bus window, mm-hmm. and you're seeing what he sees as he's as he's driving along. That 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 was just it was cinematically beautiful, and it goes back to that small town feel that I that I love right. and crave. But the I thought we could have had two more times where I think there's three different moments where he's listening to people on the bus talking to one another. And I could have used more of that and a little less of the girlfriend. 
and let me say this, and then, and then I'll go to you for your... Yeah, no, man, go. Just because I'm thinking about it now. So that girlfriend, to, to give you a better description of her character, she is, in Pulp Fiction, the boxer's... What's his name? Oh, I... I oh, come on. It's escaping me. The boxer. The bo- Yeah, the, the dude, the main guy, character in the film. In Pulp Fiction? In Pulp Fiction. The boxer. He's a boxer who's trying... They want him to throw the fight, and he will not throw the fight. And because of it, that's what this whole fucking story's about. Oh. It's getting... What's his name? Fuck. Fuck. I, it's escaping me. Fucking Bruce Willis. I knew he was in it, but I didn't realize he was... Oh. oh my God. He's, fuck okay. me. Oh, my God. Oh, I'm going to kill you. Um, <laughs> and myself for not being... That's going to happen a lot. But anyway, Bruce Willis's girlfriend in the film... Who's played by Maria de Medeiros, an incredible actress in her own regard. But that moment when he comes back and he's got to get the fuck out of town, and he gave her instructions of what to, what to pull out of the apartment because they couldn't take everything; they just had to get because he's going to get killed. Basically, the mob yep. man uh, Marcel is going to kill him because he wouldn't throw the fight. So he gives her instructions what to get. And they're getting on the motorcycle and they're getting ready to leave. And the whole time he's like, come on, baby, we got to go. We got to go. We got to go. And she's like, oh, but I want to tell you about my breakfast and I had blueberry pancakes. And, and it's, it's a wonderful moment in the film. And then she forgets she didn't get the most important thing to him, which is the watch that his father gave her. Right. So he's got to fucking go back in imminent, imminent danger to get this watch and probably get killed. And it's all because his flighty kind of dense girlfriend didn't didn't get this and i can take that in in short moments of time even in pulp fiction it's hard like mm-hmm. but it's necessary for the film i think it fits but for this film there was too many sequences of her doing something silly like her cooking was terrible and yeah. do you know what i mean it was just too I, much of um, we didn't need 20 Oh yeah, the, co- the five pie minutes of film on this. Like I said, I would have rather seen more of what what Patterson's doing, or even more of the poetry. So that's my take on that, and that's what I wanted. You know, I wanted that shrunk down. Interesting. Uh, my thought was like, why? Because she's like only in the house. The scenes with her are only in the house, uh, except for the one on Saturday towards the end of the film when they go out for a movie. When they come back, and it's like I guess the climax. Yeah, I, I was I was surprised. They actually, I actually, I thought she was gonna be a little more flighty than she was. So it was good that she actually still referenced all the things that she wanted to do. So no, I, I was saying that I thought she, yeah, she was gonna be a little more flighty, you know, going jumping from one project to another and kind of forgetting about it. But they actually did a good job of like she comes off as as, as that flighty person who does jump from project to project, but she does. Re- remember it all she does care about all of it but i didn't like the one scene where he comes home and she's like painting the wall or the door black yeah randomly and i was like ah, that's a little like too much i, I didn't mind that me. but you didn't mind really? that girl overall you didn't think there was too much fucking screen time of this dense girl <laughs> i mean because well i mean you have to think though she's his like muse in a way i know but we get it no I, I, she's I, not she's not his primary muse she is a muse, and two of the poems are Fair about enough. her, but the rest are about, mm. they're not about her, mm. which I was glad for. You know, there was one scene in the film where I think he was writing the second poem for her. I forgot the title of it. But he started writing about his feelings 
that he wants to express towards her that are like bottling up or something. But then there was this different music that started playing and it sounded a little more like, I don't want to say sinister, but a little darker or like more melancholy. Sure. And I thought, oh shit, he's like starting to hate her. So for a second, I thought he was like starting to hate her. And then there was this one shot, I think it was after that, he was on his bus route and an uh, electric circuit breaks down. Well, the bus breaks down due to an electrical problem. Yeah. And they do a shot where it's a wide shot of the bus stopping. He's stopping near like a sidewalk or something to let the passengers off. And on the side of the bus, there's an ad that says divorce for like $300 or something. <laughs> so I thought, aha, they're like threading in. Good. Maybe he's growing. He's realizing that maybe she is a little too much for him. And then he wants it to be, he, he likes his structure and he doesn't like her like constantly prying him to like open up his notebook and share yes. it with the rest of the and world. So all of her little projects. Right, right. So yeah, I agree. I felt... I definitely felt that. And I think Jarmusch is playing with us. And he's also a master of this. Where he's like setting us up for a possibility. Mm -hmm. And then does it happen? Or does something else happen? We're not going to tell you what happens. I definitely felt the same thing. So that's that's Mm -hmm. pretty cool. Because I felt that. So it's like. Because another thing is, if you think about it, it, it's kind of like those two, like, too perfect of a relationship. They never argue. Whereas if you look at the other people, the other like two couples that he interacts with, the bar owner. Yep. And his wife. And his wife. girl. And then the girl that's in there with her like actor boyfriend who she's constantly trying to like establish that we've broken up. Right. And he co- keep, keeps coming after her. Yeah. So it was fun. And I think that's again, that's a ploy by Jim Jarmusch because they have that, he has a wonderful moment. Uh, Patterson is talking to the ex-girlfriend of the dude that's an actor Mm -hmm. that she like, she's like, get the, we're done. There is no us. And she's, and there's several scenes in the bar where he comes in and he's like, and and I like those scenes too, where he's pathetic. The dude is pathetic. Mm -hmm. And it's, I'm not saying it's not understandable. It could be understandable. Somebody could be in that situation. But he just can't get over her. And there's this great moment between... There's a couple of moments where he's talking to her. And then he talks to her again. And she's very intelligent. And that's a difference between his girlfriend and this girl who could be available. Mm -hmm. And I thought, like, oh, is this this where this is heading? Is this a plot line? I thought that too. Yeah, Yeah, so... So Jarmusch is definitely playing with mm-hmm. us, and he and he's he does that. By the way, a very accurate depiction of an actor playing an actor. <laughs> could be, could be, yes. Very, I've very. Always, uh, as a director, I, I, <laughs> uh, I very dramatic. Careful, but Ray has heard me say many times: with drama comes a lot of drama. Yep. Yep. <laughs> So we're just she, she, but not not any of my actors ever. No, 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 no of course, no, no. of course not. But uh, yeah, so that's one of the the, the storylines. But it's not it's not the main one. It, it is it's probably the majority of the film. Or if you put all these threads together, there's more time spent with her than there is any other character. And of course, that's his girlfriend, etc. Again, I thought that should have been edited down. I, I mm-hmm. thought we could have squeezed some of that. We could have shown more of New Jersey of Patterson itself and more of his poetry. And here, here's another thread. There's so many wonderful threads in this film that it's worth, even if you get frustrated with the storyline or the girl and Ray, it doesn't seem like Ray was or the tightness of a story. Like, you know, here's our fry tags 
pyramid and you know we established and we move on whatever just for the threads alone in those vignette moments it's quintessential jarmusch and it's worth watching one of the other threads is whenever he's writing the poetry we get a close-up and we get to see him visually mm-hmm. writing like yeah. the, the act the physical act of writing in a notebook and sometimes he crosses out and jarmusch does a wonderful job of doing uh, close-ups and showing the actual writing, and I I love that, and I'm a I'm a sucker for that. You mm-hmm. know, it's the you know the old Hitchcock. Yeah. Or you well, here let me ask film. you this. Let me ask you this. What do you think of the? Because uh, I was trying to understand it, just wasn't grasping it. His basically his manager. You know, it kind of starts off with him always coming in to check on him before he departs, and he always catches him writing in his notebook, writing his poems, and eventually, like the first two times, he's like. How's it going, Donnie? How, his name's Donnie. He's like, how are you doing? He's like, fine or whatever. And then eventually he starts like opening up and complaining, listing all these like problems that he's got going right. on. So what do you, what, you think of that? Like, what, what do you think they were trying to do with that? Well, th- so that's, that's depicting the mundane aspects that he has to deal with. He has mm-hmm. to deal with this this boss that complains about everything or that he's, he's a nice guy, uh, yeah. Patterson is. But he doesn't want to hear all that stuff. So it's mm-hmm. showing the mundane stuff that he has to go through. And it's also showing, and I might be reading into this being a writer, but the frustration of not wanting to have, to have that conversation. And it, oh, okay. if so you like, want to go and write, yeah, or you yeah, are yeah. writing, get the fuck away from well, me. There were, uh, you, know, there like, were... you need your cave time. Of course, you know, as an artist, and you know this, that's why I said you should tell the audience what the fuck you're doing for a living you know I, I teach and i do all kinds of odd jobs i bartend and stuff just to eke out a living that's part of yeah for well for some of us artists and so that's that was is, showing that you know he has to have this job to, in yeah. order to survive but he also you know, he has to put up with the mundane yeah. crap and that takes away from the, the well, chances speaking of that they had quite a few kind of like funny kind of socially awkward moments I think two of them were like in the bar with that actor friend where there was just like a long just silence where right. they were didn't he didn't either didn't know what to say to him or didn't want to say anything to him. So yeah, that was Yeah, interesting so another thread in the film or another part of his life is every day he walks um his girlfriend's dog. Right. And Marvin what, Marvin mm-hmm. and what he does is he walks the dog to the local pub and and ties the dog outside and goes in and gets a beer and I, I i couldn't stand that he left that fucking dog outside i couldn't stand it and i also i'm gonna say this i can't stand morons to take their fucking dogs to breweries especially if it's indoor and it's loud as fuck yeah that is yeah. there is nothing that your fucking dog is enjoying about that. You're getting a blaze. You tell him. You I tell can't, him. I can't stand it. And you know that the people are fucking doing no, it. No, it's fucking bullshit. So everybody looks at him. Look at me and my dog. It's so cute. Well, oh, I got a dog. I'm, I'm such a nice guy. I got this dog. Aren't I, aren't I a nice no, 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 guy? No, no. I'm, I'm going to tell you what like, it is, bro. God. I'm going to tell you what it is. You know I what it is? said it. It's the people who have pets as substitutes to kids. Where they treat their pets as kids. It's fucking weird and i agree with you i sort of but it's also a status symbol like they're trying to present it's an advertisement of themselves again thank you david byrne 
oh, look, I have a dog, and I bring my dog to this thing, and, like, you know, it's just it's like when It's like when they Leave put... your fucking dog at home. It doesn't want to listen to all that loud, yeah. whatever the fuck is going on, and they don't want to sit there and suffer while yeah. you're in some boring conversation or trying to hit on some chick or dude, etc. Right. Just leave your dog at home. They'd much rather lay on the couch than on a hard floor and have their ears hurt because people are yelling and screaming. Mm-hmm. So quit being a fucking moron and trying to show off and stop putting sweaters and booties on your dogs fucking weird (laughs) (laughs) have you seen those dogs with sweaters and little boots as if they're oh my god anyway anyway yes so getting back so so one of the threads he walks his dog and he and the dog don't get along it's his girlfriend's dog not at all (laughs) and the, the dog's well trained for this film it's there's a hilarious part where he keeps every day he comes home from work and uh, all the mailbox. the mailbox is tilted <laughs> and every day he tilts it back and he looks at it and he looks around like what why who the fuck is doing this yeah. who keeps tilting the, the mailbox and you find out later this is this is a spoiler who cares the dog runs out and does it and the dog watches from the window to see his reaction <laughs> which is fucking hilarious that's good you know what? and now i'm thinking about this dick this is off the mark, but that's another thread. Jarmusch, the threads in this film are wonderful to, to watch, you know. But there's also, he's definitely setting this up for many instances where we think the story's going to go left and it goes straight yeah. or it goes right. Yeah. The more I think about it, because well, because there's that instance where, so he's walking a dog and he always ties it outside and he goes and has a beer. Um, but one day when he's walking... There's these gangsters that pull up in a car, yeah, and yeah. they tell him how valuable the dog yeah. is, and he's like, "I don't." He's like, "Really?" And and it's part of that, like that he doesn't like the dog, but they're like, "Yeah, man, that shit, that shit, mega money or something he's like got that." A dog jacked or something. Dog shit. jacked, yeah. and so he leaves, and so we definitely think the dog gonna get is going to get stolen. Yeah, and there's so many moments where where Jarmusch is leading us in one direction. And it either doesn't happen, or maybe it does happen. You got to watch yeah. the film and see. But um, th- that's well, it's the same with with Patterson himself, man. I I genuinely thought he was gonna like explode at some point. Yeah, that he was gonna lose it. Maybe like he was gonna have like yeah. a, not not necessarily a breakdown, but like right because because they show him like he's a nice guy. He always like gets along with people, but you can see on his face. By the way, Adam Driver, fucking like the nuances of his like facial facial expressions. Fucking, fucking brilliant. Fucking awesome. He's he's like he's a hell of an actor. Yeah, it's just, he is. He is. He nails oh, it. Which, by the way, okay, another side fucking note. The dude, like, before they even shot the movie, he went to bus driving school to be able to drive the bus in this film. Before the production shit, I, I'm, I'm, I'm like yeah, we chopping the table here. No, it's... Before the crew was able to set him up, he went out on his own and signed up and finished, graduated, like, uh, passed the test, rather... Like a week before they shot the film, because as you were saying earlier, he wanted to be um, not only provide authenticity, but because he was able to operate the bus, he would be able to provide the uh, the crew with more like yeah shots shots. He, the, so the, it would be a smoother fucking good on him, man. That's fucking, yeah. That's that's smoother shoots for sure. That's what makes and one of the aspects that makes a good fucking actor is like. Doing your homework, being prepared, and you know, not being I think uh, so. fucking. Oh, I'm just gonna show up. Nowadays, they just show up, not even like memorized with lines. They're like, oh, I'm just gonna have somebody fucking read me the lines as we go. I'm like, eh, fuck 
Fuck you. Some of them. Some of them. The big ones. Yeah. A lot of big ones yeah. that have gotten lazy. You don't know. <laughs> I've heard stories. Okay. <laughs> Again, not yeah, everyone. Yeah. You're right. Not everyone. Right, but right. those that do that. I'm not trying you. to be politically correct because I'm not. Like I'm saying, Jesus, cut this, cut this fucking girl out of this. Are you? T- <laughs> but but getting back to so there's the thread of the dog. Oh, yes. oh the bar, the bar. So the bar is a wonderful part of the film. It is such a. It it, it feels like it, it is. It's a small pub. It exists, and it's a great place to shoot. And, you know, yeah. in our film, you know, I'm I'm friends with many. Uh, bar owners and bartenders, partly because that was my side hustle, but also you know that it's I love like yeah. a pub in a film, mm-hmm. and that definitely gave a great feel and part of Patterson mm-hmm. that that was needed. Oh, for sure, it was definitely needed. especially when the bar owner is constantly talking about like hanging up pictures of like historical Patterson famous people. Uh, people. From Patterson. Yeah, yeah. The, the the funny one was. He was asked if he was going to get a TV in the bar. And he was like, hell no. Um, and then a couple of scenes later, he, provi- he he always asks Patterson about which photo or news article to put up. And he gives him one about Iggy Pop being named like sexiest man in the world in 1970 from like a Patterson club or something. Sure. Well, one of the reasons they do that, you know why they do that, right? No, I actually, I, I didn't know that. <laughs> I'm like, Ray I'm has not done his homework and is not as much of a Jim Jarmusch freak as I am. I watched the movie, fun. man. Iggy Pop is in several of Jim Jarmusch's films and he loves them and they got a great relationship. Interesting. And Jim Jarmusch has great relationships with a lot of his actors and that's why you see them like repeat actors mm. in their films. Bill Murray is another one. Uh, well, they had two actors in, a, in one of the bus scenes, the two college students that were uh, apparently they, their debut was in 2012 in Moonrise Kingdom. Wes Anderson, so yeah, that and that's um, those are the two dudes talking about. Uh, no, 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 the guy and the girl talking about. Oh anarchy, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. The Italian yeah, anarchist, and and that's a great. So one of the things I wanted more of in this film was more of the people on the bus and their conversations, and he gave it to us. But damn it, it's so good. I wanted more. That, and so I let's agree. go. There's a, these two young kids, and they're like high schoolers, and they're talking Gosh. about anarchists, and that they're the only anarchists in town. And here, and this is a this is a wonderful part of the film in itself. He's a quiet dude and a gentleman, and he doesn't interact. He doesn't nope. interrupt their conversations. He just listens, you know, and he takes it in. And he's an anarchist in a sense. He's a poet. He's a you know a military guy. It's a bus driver and a poet. He's you know he doesn't follow the normal whatever typical thread of human existence or jobs I should say in yeah. America. Then there's another conversation where two dudes are um, they're talking about he had this opportunity to, to hit on this girl and right. the other dude's getting really excited about oh and what happened you know and he's telling this convoluted story. <laughs> he doesn't <laughs> do anything. He doesn't. Asked the girl out, or he's like, "Well, you know, it's getting late." And blah, blah, blah. so I, I thought that was cool. What was it? There was one other conversation, wasn't there, on the bus? There was one with the two old ladies talking about something right before the bus broke down. Yeah, in that scene. That was. I, one. I didn't like that the old ladies did the cliche old lady shit. Yeah, she was like, "Is it gonna explode into yeah. a fireball?" And I didn't, I didn't buy. Oh that God! Either. I'm like, what the? Three fuck? different characters after the bus breaks down. Ask him, you know, jokingly or seriously, did it did it go up in a fireball? Um, and they all use the word fireball, and I was just yeah. like, that's I don't know. I don't know. 
But you know, yeah. whatever. I'm... And he like laughs at the third one because he's at the bar with the uh, the bar the, owner. The bar, uh, yeah, the bar. And um, bartender. I figure at that point he kind of broke a little bit because he was like, "God damn it! What does everybody keep saying?" Yeah, like... why is everybody asking <laughs> yeah. me at the bus when yeah. the And a cool thing about the bus breaking down is we find out that the character doesn't have a cell phone and mm. doesn't use a cell phone, and so he's. We also see him in a moment where he's responsible for all the people on the bus and he doesn't know what the fuck to do at first. He's very nervous. Right. He's like trying to keep everybody together and these little kids are kind of wandering off on the side and he's like yeah. brings him back. But he doesn't know exactly what to do and a, a, one of the girls suggests, do you want to use my cell phone? Mm-hmm. And then it, it dawns on him, oh yeah, I should call the station and, yeah. do, and do this and go through this procedure. And that was kind of cool. And it was also cool to know that he didn't have a cell phone. Um, I love that. You know, it's it's part of I guess being that poet and um, it's something that I think any good writer or artist or any good human being really has to struggle with and that's constantly having our faces in our phones or mm-hmm. a device and how that distraction what well, stagnates or creativity, the ability to be opinion. well you're you can be so easily distracted and you yeah. need chunks of time to, to be able to write or to mm-hmm. practice or to to whatever it is. Well, he says it, man. He said he says it's a leash. He's, yeah, he calls it a leash. Yeah. So yeah. Yep. Uh, I th- threw mine away for a good couple years, and then uh, then I realized I was completely losing touch yeah. with uh, nieces and nephews and, and shit like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then I went back to it, and then it became a huge fucking distraction again. And then I had to control it, and the way I do it is to, uh, like. A, two-hour increments, but I don't even have to worry about it now. When I sit down and write, man, I just fucking sit yeah. down and write. I just get a block of time, you know, as early as I can until, like, I'm hungry. And even if I can stop, you know, not that, you know, if I'm really writing something, I'm really into it, I don't give a shit about food. Yeah. Um, maybe a little more caffeine, a little more coffee, <laughs> um, that kind of stuff. But, yeah, so that was, but- like, a cool aspect. And it was cool to see that character not know exactly mm-hmm. what to do and this that's part of you know going back to him being in the military and it's a structured life that's, that's what I was also say. part of why he needs his girl or that he starts to i think appreciate her a little more she's this i think this she's not stable in her flightiness but she clearly loves him she cares about what he does and she's you know there and she's trying you know she tries to to make meals for him and things like that yeah. Um, and even though they're terrible meals, and she, he can't really talk to her necessarily okay. about All right, people. things. They, they, she makes a pie with cheddar cheese and Brussels sprouts. I know. And at first I thought it was broccoli. I'm like, what? That's not so bad. I would fucking eat that. I would dive into that. But Brussels sprouts? Yeah. Nah. Nah, nah that's, that's awful. Nah. Yeah. So, yeah, she, she does stuff like that. Another... Oh, can, we, go- can we talk about... Because one of the... Off the bat is that she, aside from her like flightiness with her, I guess projects if you want to call it, she also like constantly is having like these like abstract like artsy like dreams that she tells him about when they wake up, or at least the first two days. And the fir- the first dream that she talks about is about them having twins. Right. And after right after that he. Not constantly, but keeps encountering twins. Yeah, we see about, I think, five sets of twins. Yeah. So two old dudes. 
sitting on the two, bench as he's going to work. Two cute black little girls, school girls. Yeah. We got the plus. brothers in the bar. Yeah, the brothers in the bar, and then two uh, older older ladies that were supposed to be kind of twins. Uh, but yeah, they're yeah. sprinkled throughout the film. It's you know kind of a whimsical. It's kind of cool. I I thought it was all right. It I mean, didn't that, bug me. I, I was I was trying to grasp. I'm like, where are we going with this? Yeah, I thought it might do something. Because eventually, to come back in a story. Yeah, and that goes back to again. Like I'm I'm a I like unified tight stories. Yeah, and Jim Jarmusch. Throws that shit out the door often. Like he's more concerned about a vignette and moments of time. And mm-hmm. you know the masters of it are like David Lynch. Um, the Coen Brothers do it from time to time. Fuck with you, like going off on a on mm-hmm. a different. But th- okay, you think this is your storyline, and we're not we're not here to just do this point A, B, C, D, E, get to the climax resolution. We're we're there's other things that are taking place, mm-hmm. and J- Jarmusch does this with so many of his films. Coffee and Cigarettes is one of my favorite Jim Jarmusch fans. Any, I don't know, someone that wants to be an actor or a, a writer or you're interested in writing or filmmaking, watch um, Coffee and Cigarettes because it's pretty simplistic. It's an easy setting. It's just two people meeting up for coffee and yeah. talking about coffee and cigarettes or talking about what's going on in their life, etc. And it's wonderful, and it's it's so simple. Iggy Pop's in that one. It's yeah, a killer conversation that takes place between Tom Waits and Iggy Pop, and they're kind of like they're kind of like looking down their noses at each other. <laughs> it's fucking funny. It's good. There's also a, there's a, a desperate an actor that really wants the attention of uh, this uh, playwright and this guy that's like a producer, and he doesn't really. It doesn't necessarily dislike the guy, but he doesn't want to be bothered with, you know, someone that that wants you know uh, to get on one of his projects or something like that. And that's cool as hell. Um, the uh, White Stripes, I, the the oh, Jack brother, White? So Jack and um, I don't know his sister. I forget name. her name, Emily. I think it's Emily, but uh, Jack and his sister White. Or um, have a conversation in it. It's just, it's really cool. Yeah. But coffee and uh, cigarettes is one. Broken flowers is one that is one of my favorite. And again, that fits more of a structured mm-hmm. storyline, like a tight, tighter story. It's one of his tightest. Um, Dead Man, just Dead Man with Johnny Depp and Gary Farmer. By the way, everybody should, after you listen to this awesome podcast, you should go and look up the interview with uh, uh, Gary Farmer about Jim Jarmusch. And it gives you an incredible sense of who this genius, brilliant dude is. Both Gary Farmer, one of my favorite actors, and Jim Jarmusch, one of my favorite directors. And he basically has, it's kind of a lost art apparently today. This is the way I like to do it, but I I get why it's kind of impossible to do. But I, I did it. Like after we shot, um, we got our shoots done. I would take some of us out. We'd go to a, a pub and have a couple drinks. Um, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. A lot of people might think that's not professional, but it was a great way to bond, to let off steam, to show my appreciation for these folks putting yeah. in their time, etc., and yeah. just doing various things like that. But Jim Jarmusch and Gary Farmer talks about this, how he had these actors together for a couple months you know, uh, out west, and the different things that they did, and Neil Young came and played, and a bunch of people in the in the um, um, uh, Johnny Depp actually had a, a birthday, 
And so Gary Farmer rented out this place and uh, had them fed everybody. And uh, a bunch of the actors, you know, played their guitars or something, and Neil Young d- did as well. But, but it speaks to Jim Jarmusch listens to his actors. He's one of the one of those types of uh, d- directors. He still fights for what he has to. And Gary Farmer talks about this. Like he he will resist if, and Gary Farmer apparently was, she's trying to hammer him about. You know this this uh, role of this indigenous dude that he was playing. Jim Jarmusch gave in to some of it, but some of it he stuck to. Like mm-hmm. I still need this in the script for the story, right? Etc. And Jim Jarmusch is another director that gets not as well known actors, mixes them with established actors, people that want to m- maybe act, and people that have similar to how um, Tarantino still does it today but did it more back in the day is take actors that aren't as famous anymore and kind of have been forgotten about and, mm-hmm. and puts them back in there. Jim Jarmusch does it all the way, but check out these other films, dead man with Johnny Depp and, um, Gary farmer is, is one of my favorites, a coffee and cigarettes and broken flowers is definitely my favorite with, uh, Bill Murray in it. Oh, Bill Murray. but those give you a, a good sense of, who Jim Jarmusch is. Coffee mm-hmm. and Cigarettes is more like this, I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, Broken Flowers is an example of a tighter storyline, whereas this is kind of, he still does the vignettes and leads you down these other pathways and nothing happens right. or something does happen right. from it. And yeah, Coffee and Cigarettes is nothing but a bunch of vignettes put together in a, if there is a story mm-hmm. to it other than a bunch of people. It's interesting, man, because I, I just had this thought of like why, I mean, clear, I mean, it is clear this was not a big budget production I'm, I, I doubt they spent a lot on it but well it, it i i think a little bit more than you probably realize because think of the fucking shutting down the streets well, that they true, had to do just because he's not really driving a bus i know you do that but that in itself like that had to take some major I would say sure sure production etc but uh, well no i i but I, you're right no you're right I, because the main like they're shooting down an alleyway, and I mean, it's, a, it's a small the bus, town it's, setting. It's a small town, and right, so many right. shots are or either the house, walking down the street, or the bar. Right, you know, those are the main right. ones. And then there's this little park outside of. I imagine it's on the outskirts of Patterson, but it's there's a waterfall, mm-hmm. and a nice little bridge, and. Well, I I I guess I'm I'm trying to understand. Well, I guess why people, maybe it's jarring. I'm trying to say. It's, because I feel like a majority of people, when they go to the movies, when you think movie, you think these like grand kind of like productions of like, right? Where not we... not real life. So when so, you're, staring, so you're talking more the style, action, genre, action, that, yes, inserted yes, here. So, yes. so the, and in terms to of storytelling, high production well. with action, you know, cars blowing up or ch- or chases or or sci-fi or fantasy mixed in, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or or like you said, like. A tighter story. Yes. But this, yeah, if you if you're sitting down and then all of a sudden you you're watching these like real life scenarios, kind of like watching real life. Like you're yeah. watching real life. Which is what a poet yeah. and a writer would do. Exactly. Or should do. Exactly. So I I feel like that is what could be jarring for some people, or maybe not find it as interesting. You know what I mean? But that's I, maybe what I was I'm going back to when I said that's you, no. You're saying the same thing I, I said in a different way, and that's small town. I love I, stories about a small town, yeah. like it's it's small town and the feel of a small town and what you do in a small town. You're mm-hmm. not, you know, you're not in gunfights or 
<laughs> maybe. maybe. Car chases. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's possible. But, yeah, it's it's a small town, and it's it's a slower... Um, even the... the um, well, Sitfield talks about this, how, you know, dialogue, and he says that actions speed up the plot line, but... This is a case where there's a lot of times there's not any dialogue or there's dialogue yeah. of somebody else. Yeah. And his actions are, you know, simple. He's writing and they show the action of him writing or he's driving the bus. And so this whole film, it's definitely a different pace. That's what, that's the word I was getting at. This is a slower paced film. Mm-hmm. And I enjoy the shit out of that as long as I got interesting characters and some kind of interesting storyline. I don't give a shit too much about, about pace. I mean, well, I was arguing that's part of the reason that I'm like, get cut the girl down because she slows it down too much. We established mm. who she is. We know what she is in the relationship. We don't need more of that, you know, repeated right. over and over who this is. So it, I, even I was complaining about pacing to a, to a certain degree. But yeah, this is a slower paced film. You know, still cinematically beautiful, still so nice. This, like, there's shots in there. I can't get over. Like, and this is where Jim Jarmusch is, uh, uh, again, I would say a genius or a master. The shot of the matchbook cover. Oh, yeah. So he writes a poem about this book of matches. Yeah, the, the first poem that, that he wrote. That is yeah, an yeah. analogy or metaphor for he and his girl. Exactly. And it's, yeah. it's a, I thought it was a killer poem. It was incredible. And uh, I know who the writer, he had a writer. Uh, Ron wrote, something. Yeah. That did uh, that. That actually wrote all these right. poems that we see in the film. And we also, William Carlos Williams is one of the poems they read in there. And mm-hmm. then um, Jim Jarmusch wrote the little girl's poem. But the, the shots of the bus window, the shots on the bus of, of the characters having conversations, the shots of him walking down the street, the shot of the dog outside of the bar. Yeah. Even the shots in the bar in the house like we you feel like you're in that house and that's probably another reason why i was bitching about you know i was for too much i'm in the house i don't want to be in the house that much um the shot of him when he's writing the shot of him in the basement he goes down in the basement a lot of times to write that is a beautiful writing space simplistic his books are down there he's got books all around him he's got this simple desk that he sits at he sits on this like wooden beat up chair and he just goes down you can tell that's a space that he developed for himself. But mm-hmm. cinematically, even though we're a slower-paced film, we are being, I think, superbly entertained with tone, and that's a different form of pacing. And I like slow pacing when I am being visually, like, awed. Mm-hmm. And so he's visually knowing us with this, and that beauty that comes through, and feeling that. Like, he takes these moments in time, that's why I say vignettes, and you feel the feel of the small town. You feel his mood, yeah, based on sure. how much time he takes, etc., and the pacing with that. And I, I think it's brilliant. You know, it's it's interesting. I was gonna say it, it's definitely a slow burn in terms of where I would categorize it, but it's not as slow as I thought. Okay. For being it being like is what I, I what I would reference as like slice of life. Sure. Movie. Yeah. But another thing I wanted to talk about is... Well, before we go on, yeah, go I want to know. Yeah. Was it too slow for you? Did you no. did you feel like... No, no, no. Really? It wasn't? Yeah. I, I was expecting it. I was expecting it to be like... 
but you didn't get bored at all, or you got bored sometimes. No, you, no, you and, and that's okay, a testament wow, that's again cool. to the to the writers and actors. So, yeah, you know, so. and the filmmaker and the filmmaker. And the well, fucking yeah, shot. Yeah. The point I just fucking made. That's what I'm trying to say, Blaze. God damn. Okay. Yeah. Now, what did you think of the uh, the interaction with the little girl? The little I, poet that he comes across I on his way back it. to work. I freaking loved it. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you why I loved it. Again, he was leading us to believe. He's walking down the street, and he sees this girl, and she's just kind of like in this alleyway. And he's like, mm-hmm. oh, this this might not be a great place for her. And he's like, are you okay? Right. Are you? And she's like, oh, no, I'm just waiting for my mom and my sister to get mm-hmm. out of here. And, and I'm writing poetry. I'm a, I'm a poet. And she asks, are you a poet? And then their interaction instantly becomes like he realizes this this girl's like and she's a really intelligent little girl you can open your shit Ray's I'm about to dig in Ray's guys Ray's digging Sorry. into his peanut butter bar and that it was a I just maybe I'm a sucker for that but that the it was a warm moment you mm-hmm. know he's he's protective of her and then he finds out oh she doesn't she's got her shit together and she's intelligent and then she reads her poem to him and it's it's a it was a lovely poem it was it was just it was great and i still remember she says it felt like water flowing from the sky falling from the sky like hair like hair over the over the girl's shoulders over over a girl's shoulders um yeah and it that was one of the lines in there and she had you know obviously several other lines but he was he was in awe he it was a moment where he was like oh wow you know here's this little girl and she's writing his poetry and man she's really good and it was a moment that's what's missing in his life is that he doesn't have anyone to talk to about his writing he can't talk to his girlfriend about it even though she's supportive and loving watching to do this stuff there's no real connection Mm. You know, on the same kind of uh, wavelength where uh, I don't want to necessarily say intelligence, but that's not there. And right, with this right. girl, and she, he does, he has that moment where, oh my God, like here's another poet. And that happens again later, but we'll stick to this because you wanted to say, what What did you think? No, it was interesting. It made me realize, again, it's one of those where he opens up, but not really opens up. I'm listening. I have to get a jacket because I'm cold. And oh, I, poor little Blaze. Oh, you so cold, Blaze. We, we, turn, oh. we turn the furnace off so that it's not this loud, clunky thing while we're talking. But go ahead. So you thought... No, it was a moment of um, basically him open, oh, opening up a little bit. Yeah. Like a, kind of a crack of that side of his like poetic side where, like you said, he can share it with somebody else while also kind of playing... In the short time that they spent together, which is probably like what two minutes of a scene. Yeah, um, it's not much. Three tops. Three tops. Yeah. Uh, he kind of comes off as a mentor as well. Yeah. Uh, and you get to see why he's so bashful. I guess about calling himself a poet. Right. So you get all three of those in that short little scene. Yes. Uh, so I thought it was pretty fucking cool. But then her mom and sister come down, and then again they play into the whole twin thing because she's a twin. She's the little a girl's twin, a twin. Sister, and she talks a little bit about that. She's different than her sister. Yeah. They clearly show it mm-hmm. um, based on the interaction. And again, this was a moment where I thought 
oh, this is going to be trouble for him. Because I thought the mom was going to come out and be like, what, what are you? Mm. Are you a sexual predator? Like, what the fuck's going on? Why are you talking to my daughter? And th- there's none of that. But you could tell the mom was definitely, like, concerned and thinking something of that being protective kicking in. And again, like, I thought, oh, shit, like, this is going to be bad news for him. And nothing, nothing happens. Oh. Nothing. Oh. <laughs> it's just Jim Jarmers <laughs> fucking with you once again. Here's what a, a little gripe I have with it, maybe. Or maybe I just wanted to see more like you, but in this aspect. On the bus, they always only show two people talking or having a conversation. Everyone else is just kind of like in their own little spaces, zoned out. So I feel like it could have been a little livelier, if you know what I mean. On the bus, yeah. On the bus, been, maybe would have. It's always seemed just like, a little more realistic. Yeah, but I, but I would argue just a little bit. But I agree with you. You're totally right. That you know, a lot of times people don't want to be fucked with. And they're on the bus. You know, they've worked. Or they just want to get to their destination. Um, but yeah, for sure. That's definitely... Can we talk about... Again, thank you Amazon Prime for putting the little trivia facts on the screen when you move your mouse <laughs> during a movie. But um, the one night where he's walking the dog, Marvin, <laughs> and he comes across the dude rapping in the um, the laundromat yeah. place. Uh, that I turns out that, that was a member of the Wu Tang Clan. Yeah, well, that's I was like, like, "What the fuck?" Fuck yeah, it is. That's another actor that Jim Jarmusch puts in his film. So that dude was also in uh, uh, Coffee and Cigarettes, uh, I believe. What was his name? I will tell you something, but I'm chewing right now. <laughs> and we're back. <laughs> Ray needed a beer. Mm-hmm. And I'm drinking a glass of wine because because I went and watched a Bearcats basketball game and it was terrible. Oh, yeah. But uh, me and my friend uh, Jeffrey Bell had some time, so we drank a couple beers at the game. And we went to a bar and drank a couple more beers. We went to a couple, two different bars that reminded me. You know, there were definitely dives, yeah. freeze, um, over in Clifton. It's one of my favorite bars in uh, the B-List here in beautiful Bellevue, Kentucky, which we filmed at. Right I on. Filmed, I filmed there several times. Um, not freeze, but the B-List. Anyway, Blaze can't handle his, his uh, drinks anymore, so the beer is... Ugh. And uh, I just... Yikes. Why not? Some wine. I've been enjoying the conversation. and um, So wine will be my hangover drink, which most people are probably like, whoa. But lately, fucking beer just tears me up. I don't know why. That's why you have to drink the fruity stuff. No. <laughs> I will not do that. Oh, <laughs> New England's, hell yeah. Good stouts, good porters. Nice. Good lager. Good everything. I don't give a shit. But anyway, um, where were the uh, enough of our uh, so high Rizzo, class. I, I was, he said Wu Tang Clang and Rizzo was in uh, Coffee and Cigarettes. Um, this was Method Man in. Uh, he had, Method Man was in um, Patterson. Patterson, and that was but, such a cool moment. Yeah, he, he comes across him by. rapping in a in the laundromat, and he kind of just hides from him behind the door. 
but then the dog is like Marvin, just like right in the doorway. <laughs> so they have a nice little interaction with him. It was another again, moment, another part of the thread of listening to people. Exactly. And so he listens to it, and here's another poet. And go ahead. Exactly. No, not only that, but also you get to see the other guy's method of like what inspires him. And he even says it, like, how do you do it? Or like, I forgot what Adam Driver's line was, but the method man uh, responds with like, wherever it strikes me, that's where it's going to be. Uh, and there's a shot where, you know, they establish that he's watching his clothing, his laundry kind of cycle. As he's like thinking of all these lines, right, and then it, it's it's symbolic of how like when it stopped, like he kind of like either lost track or like kind of hit a blockade mentally of like coming up with the next line. So I thought it was it's pretty cool. Yeah, it was a, it was a cool moment between him and uh, another interaction with another poet. Another poet. And the, the little girl, we already mentioned that. Mm-hmm. And, we and then finally, the last one, the last at the one. very end of the film, the uh, the Japanese poet. Japanese poet. And that was, to me, that... Okay. <laughs> I struggled again. Like, okay, we're going to talk about this too. There's another part in the film that, in my part, in my mind, I just... I don't know why it's in there. I think it should be cut. Okay, Blaze. Okay, Blaze. Okay, hold on. Let me finish. It does nothing for the film. It does nothing for the characters. It's over the top, and it doesn't. It doesn't work for me at all. And I want it cut. And we'll talk about that. But that se- section bugged me so much. And then the the overuse of the girlfriend. Too much time in that house with her. Um, almost kind of drove me crazier, made me like, ah, this is not his his best. But you would be remiss if you didn't watch this for all the wonderful moments we talked about, uh, you know, cinematically, the beautiful pacing, small town, and the great moments that do take place. And that fucking conversation at the end saved it for me without a doubt. I loved it. It was like, to me... It was like he met Lao Tzu, um, like a famous. Uh, I know, what are you playing, Blaze? No, I don't care. <laughs> well, well, so it's filmed at the park with the waterfall. Yes, and the trees that that are reminiscent of like uh, cherry blossom well, or uh, um, Chinese and Japanese art. I'm, I'm gonna stop you right there before you finish that thought because we have to, I guess, explain why he's there in the first place. So the big climax uh, towards uh, of the movie is on Saturday he and his um, girlfriend go out to see a movie, and I guess in between those scenes he leaves his notebook, his secret notebook as he calls it, of poems on the couch. Well, they get back and Marvin had ripped it all up. Marvin did his final act of. What do you say? Not necessarily revenge. Yeah, revenge for taking his girlfriend from him. The dog loves the either that. Girl no, the not film. the girl. I thought it was because Marvin's structure was taking a walk every night, so they broke that of not because he didn't take him on a walk Saturday. They went to the movies. Uh, but Marvin, does, but the dog doesn't like him in general. Um, That's true. They don't but, like each other, and, and the dog but, pushes over the the. Uh, <laughs> 
um, mailbox to fuck with him, yeah. uh, grunts at him, does, gets in his way, you know, does these various things to kind of... Um, but yeah, so his final act of revenge in the film is to chew up Patterson's only copy of his poetry. Yeah. And let me tell you, folks, from a writer's I, perspective, that is fucking devastation. It has yeah. happened to me twice where my computer died and I even had a backup that I lent. Oh, my God. This is just convoluted, horrible series of events. And uh, I lost an entire novel that I had fucking nailed. And I have since worked on it some and tried to get it back and it just does not fucking come back Shit. but go ahead Shit. so yeah the dog chews um, it up yeah man with that I'm a little conflicted because he of the way he reacts I thought we were gonna get a little more of him a more of a reaction right a little he, more anger at his girl yes. a little more anger at the situation yeah but he couldn't completely because she kept saying, "Let's take, let's let's get let's get co- we got to get copies of this." She kept saying that, right? So right. he couldn't really, you know. That's also part of like an artist's brain. Like we don't always fucking do the most logical, or um, not that we're not logical because I think I'm pretty logical. I think you are too. And but there's these little quips and burps that we have that we, we don't. You know, we should, like, protect that with our lives. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, go yeah. ahead. You were saying you wanted no, a reaction? No, I, I just wanted, yeah. That was the only time I think I wanted a different reaction. Because he kind of, um, he doesn't stonewall, but he, like, just... Well, after remake, that... Which could be, kind of, I'm not saying it is, but it could be adding, like, a sociopathic... Element. element? I never Possibly. thought of that. Possibly. I was I like, there's no way. That. There's no way. Even like as a such being like such a good person, every person has their breaking points. Yes. So like I, I was like, I don't know, man. I, I, I expected more from so, that. So so did I. So I'm with you in that I like he's one or the other. But this goes back to the reaction of so in this film, a a, a Another storyline, definitely like a subplot, is this uh, beautiful black woman that comes to the bar on a regular basis and her boyfriend are um, broken up and he can't get over and he keeps following her. So we see her in the bar and the bartender talks about it and then he talks to her and you think that might something happen. And this guy, he does a wonderful job of playing a, you know, devastated boyfriend. Um, to the wimpy end, like a wimpy kind yeah. of devastating yeah, boyfriend, yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever. Yeah. But then he comes in with a, a gun. We don't know that's a fake gun, but it's a fake gun. It's like a prop gun. Yeah. And uh, Patterson jumps to her aid, and I, I just, I, I couldn't even buy that reaction based on all his other reactions in the film. I couldn't. The only thing that that made it okay, but but I feel like this was a, a mishap or a um, this was a um, mistake by Jim Jarmusch in the writing and the filming. If you're gonna say that he's capable of that or he's gonna do that, 
we need more than just a photograph of him in a Marine uniform. We need mm. to see one other instance where he jumps into action. Because look at the look at how he handles the the bus breaking down. Like he's kind of incapable. He's kind of, you know what I mean. And it takes them telling him what to do for him to do it. And so when a guy pulls a gun in a bar and is acting like that, he immediately. Um, disables the guy like immediately just throws him down on the ground and gets the gun and i just i did i don't think it did anything for the character it to me it did not fit this film at all it doesn't develop any character it's outside of the characters like i like the film you want something you want them to be pushed to a point where they do something outside of themselves depending on your on your story but a lot of times you do but that wasn't a case it did it didn't do anything and then that storyline dies. We don't know what happens between the the, the girl and the boyfriend. I would have right. much rather him done, you know, pleaded with her one more time, and that like he tries to grab her or something, and then maybe somebody steps in, and then we have him. I love the scene where he talks to the guy after, but but why 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 did the guy? I didn't. It wasn't in his character. Do you know what I mean? It just it didn't do anything for the story and it didn't do anything for the characters. It threw me out of the film. No, I I liked it. <laughs> Fuck you, Blaze. I liked it. There's <laughs> nothing wrong with that. Now, That's what okay. I want to happen here sometimes right. that we right. don't agree two, on everything. Two, two trains so of you need here. to fucking explain why you didn't. Well, I'm getting to it. Okay, but we, we left the so Japanese artist. We'll, we'll get back to the we'll Japanese poet. Uh, by the way, P, uh, uh, Blaze does not hate Japanese poets. I just want to clearly no, state that they're my favorite fucking poets. Uh, it was pretty cool. He opened his little book, and it was like um, one side was the Japanese version of it, and the other one was like the English version right, of it. The Japanese poet. Uh, uh, I thought film. it was cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, anyway, back to the the bar scene where he disarms this dude. I don't know. I liked it to the point where I thought it was a tease. In a way, they were going to start maybe because I thought he was going into reaching like a maybe a breaking point okay, of you. all this routine stuff. I got you. And they were going to like start showing us more of his background as a as a soldier because he has more experience with guns than like fucking yeah. buses. Yeah, but you know what wait, I mean. You can't just so, show a picture of a guy in a marine and then a whole fucking hour of film where you have a guy that doesn't interact with people. Is very quiet. Is very timid. He is timid. He is the quintessential timid human being. He can't handle like he doesn't know what to do when the bus breaks down. He's not a guy that jumps Dude, into action so you, at any point in the fucking film. So you think so? He's how timid. all of a sudden? Uh, nah, dude. I don't think he's timid. I think he's like oh, I doing do. this to like be in check, like like your friend that you were talking about at the beginning that uh, from that book. I, I think he's developed this routine. Douglas Peacock. Douglas Peacock. I think he does this routine to keep maybe like a side of him. That is very you know, interesting. Closed and I off. Think a pretty intelligent observation. But so I, again, then the writer, directors, and actors have to yeah. show and make that believable. It was fucking not believable with me at all. Okay. How about this? If they would have. So if before then, he would have like. Going off on, on the passengers, you know what I mean? When the bus breaks down, if you would say, you know what? I don't fucking know what to do. Just chill out for a second. Let me figure this out. But he doesn't do any of that. Right. So it's like, 
eh. I don't, and I, nothing happens after that. Well, nothing happens after he he uh, disarms the guy yeah. in a fucking split second. And like I said, it was out of character. It was out of character for the the uh, forlorn lover. That was not in his character to do that. It did, didn't make sense to me at all. Wait, for who? For the, the dude that lost his chick. Oh, the, the guy the, with the gun. The actor. It didn't fit. Guy. It didn't fit that character. No, at no, all. no. You have to think. A scene or two before that, she was there at the bar. They were talking. She's like, "He always likes to do this. He's I always know. been dramatic. I He's always going to do something did, over the top." But that's too set up. And then I didn't buy it. I'm sticking to it. But that's cool for the audience to hear. Your perspective is no, dude. I bought it and I, I thought it was going. I in bought the it because, like, I that's don't know, cool. man. I I see I a pic- I see a picture of a marine and it's like, I wonder what they do all day. So like they they train with all this kind of like with weapons with guns. Yeah, so they, of course but he's that's like, what I'm saying. Had to disarm people before. You have to, clearly. You have to give us more insight that okay, that, that's about this. possible. What it's if, not possible to me? And this is what I want. Uh, hey, listeners. Please watch this film and write into us, write into us about what you think. Is Blaze correct? Is he is he completely out there, or is Ray? Do you do you agree more with Ray's? Uh, uh, you know. But maybe that's the like you said. That's the beauty of Jim's thing is he kind of makes it like a not necessarily a sandbox, but he's like opens up all these possibilities. So, so like some people yeah. might see that marine picture, and that's enough for them to be like, okay, he's a disciplined. Marine train, like you know, army trained. He's disarmed people in training before and or combat. We don't know. Some people might need more to yeah. To I express that more. for them. I needed something to happen in between that. So, but I didn't buy it for him, and I didn't buy it for the other actor either. Even though they said he always does something dramatic, it was like, no. I bought it, but it was like too on the nose for me. I'm like, ah, oh. yeah. I was like, he pulled it out, and I'm like, oh, that's a fake gun, like. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I thought the same thing too. I yeah. yeah I was like, yeah. There's no way that's fucking real. I think if they were really trying to push that character over the edge, we needed a little bit more. Yes. Yeah. We needed. We needed some indication that he was like. But I'm not gonna lie. If that was a real gun and he really like shot himself in that bar, that would have taken a completely different turn. Oh yeah. We, I, I would have <laughs> been like, what the fuck just happened? No, that's a Ray movie. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, blood and guts and guns. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Um, no. Um, okay. How about this? That scene with um, those kind of like gangsters. Yes. Which until you said it was like a thread of like maybe something will happen to the dog, maybe not. I thought I was like I I I was sitting there. I was like, why the fuck did we just get this? Like, what was the point of that scene? So maybe if there was a bit more like tension. And confrontation between them and him, where he kind of like maybe shows a little bit more of that like aggressive side. Yes. Do you think then that would have like? Yeah, I think it helped. It would have absolutely, and that's what I'm saying. I'm saying, as a story guy, you cannot do that. I do not buy it. It is, and and I'm not talking. It's not even loosely story. It's so far out of the character. So one. Like I would have liked to see at the at the bus stop if you're going to do that, when the bus breaks down, that he kind of loses it or that he gets. I'm glad. I, I have to say this too, though. I do not like cliched or overdone material. We, you know, there's a statistic about this. Um, so I teach media studies too. 
and like over some ridiculous number, it's like over 80%. I think it's actually like 89% of all scenes in film are repeated. They're repeated fucking scenes. And that, I'm not talking about borrowing, but I was glad in this film that he didn't lose it on his girl. Do you know what I mean? That he did. There was no point where he's like, oh my God, get a fucking brain, will you? Or this. Like you're you're living in thing. a dream world. How right, many right. how many other dreams are you going to come up with that you're going to fail at? Right. I was so glad that that didn't happen. Again, I thought there was too much of that girl of of you know the girlfriend. Well, scenario, here's an interesting thought that was though. overdone. We don't. You're right though. But, we can't but get... I need you need to give us evidence that it's at least believable. There has to something has to happen, like where he does. You know, have a break or like just a temporary moment. He's like, God, fuck, just just that. Um, and okay. then his his reaction after, after he gets the gun away, he's in a state of shock himself. He's like, Oh, oh my God, I can't believe that. I didn't believe any of it. I didn't believe. I, I didn't. Know, I didn't believe that that actor. The, when we say actor, we don't mean the actor that played. The, he's an. He's actually an actor in the film. So he plays a, a, somebody that is an actor. I didn't believe that that character would have gone to that extreme. And they didn't give us any evidence or any kind of nothing that would indicate that he would even do something that stupid. Like, you give, give me... Thread it properly is what I'm saying. Mm. Give me something else that he does that's really dumb so, before that happens. In the same way with Patterson's character. you got to show me... That he's capable of doing it. You don't show any part that, in fact, it's almost like he is becoming a great poet, but he is not a capable human being that can interact. Yeah. It, it's, do you know what I'm saying? So that state of emotion and that higher, uh, intense, whatever, doesn't work for me. It, it, I just don't think it's believable. And I think that's the job of Jarmusch. James, I love you dearly. Let's have a conversation about this. But I don't think that it was believable. Uh, and therefore, I, and, and what what did it do? James, I believed you. Let me ask you this. What did it do for the film? <laughs> for the overall story? Nothing! So, audience, Ray's inability to articulate or okay, respond okay. indicates... But who was just saying... But then you were just saying that he's not focusing on the story. He's True. focusing on vignettes of everyday right. life. Right, he does go off, but that's what I said in the beginning. And I also so, said, look, I'm a story guy and I like like tighter stories. But to me, here's here's where my argument. All right, okay. And then I'll shut up. It is, it threw me out of the story. So you have a certain amount of, you can fuck with us, but if you go too far... And you throw me out of story. You've lost the spell, and you cannot do that. I do not want that. Don't lose the spell. So suspended disbelief, whatever you want to fucking call it, and this is a different version of that. You've gone too. You've gone too far. You haven't done anything to to make me. So therefore, I'm like, oh fuck, really? Like really? Well, I don't know, man. To me, that was more of unveiling another side of that character. Again, I, I thought it was a teaser, and I would have liked to see more of that. If there was, like, Patterson 2, The Awakening, where he, like... <laughs> so here's I'll the two sides of Ray. I know, I know. First, it's like, Listen. 
oh, an actor got an ability to fucking, uh, you know, freak out. And then the other part of Ray is like, yeah, and then there's a, he's a fucking bullet should have came out of his fucking head, bounced off the, the fucking side, and hit the fucking bartender, and the bartender falls flat on his face. Excuse me? Excuse me, Blaze? We are not tapping on the table anymore? Um, no, Yes, we are. No, I just... I don't know. I, I, I just liked that it, 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 it introduced a snippet of another side of him. Because his reaction right after that, what I read as, was like a little bit, of, like just like, like a pinch of PTSD maybe. Of like, holy shit, he's like, he's done some shit with guns that oh, we don't know about. For sure, dude. But then, but then when the bus breaks down, that's my point. Yeah. When the bus breaks down... You show us a little more of that PTSD. He didn't. He didn't do it either. The actor didn't either. Our boy that we love could have like well, ne- I'm needed sure. to bring more emotion into that, or Jarmusch needed to say, "Dude, we we go from Marine to you know this, yeah. and then you're at well, PTSD. We need a little bit more evidence in between." That's what I'm okay, that's fair enough. And, but I think like I'm, and I'm sure. This is different with every um, every soldier that's served. They Fuck have yeah. different triggers. So the gun could have been... Yeah, but we're talking about story and spell. We're talking about we are an audience and we're viewers. So okay. you, have to, you have to guide yeah, us somewhat. But, but, but we've also seen like six or five couples of twins, which to me, I was like, ah, it's a little too okay. much if we're okay. not going anywhere Fair with enough. this. Fair enough. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, this so. was cool as fuck. This is what I expected more of with every <laughs> fucking film that we looked at. And no, I'm we're like, always going to agree, Blaze. God yeah. damn it. No, it's it's cool. So so there you go, audience. We, yeah. We've already uh, said it. See if you believe it or you think it's fitting to the characters or acceptable or you thought it added to the film or it threw you out. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Cool. Yeah. Um, all right, man. Let's uh, circle back to the uh, the Japanese. Well, just poet. one last thing. What was cool was okay. yeah. after the fact, he's walking down the street with the dude that he took the gun from, and he's kind of apologetic, and that, that's a wonderful. That's kind of a cool moment. But mm. it could have been something as simple as, dude, she doesn't. You, you got to stop this. Right. But anyway, that's a, a right. Another point, but but um, yeah. So getting back to the the ending that I thought, I thought it fucking saved. Those yeah. points that threw me out, it brought me right back in. Um, and like I said, I thought it was like a master poet. It was like Lao Tzu, even though this was a Japanese dude. And Lao Tzu is a, a, a Chinese philosopher and poet. Um, the backdrop was like what you see in Chinese art. You know, the waterfall mm. and the trees and this dude comes in and he's, it, it was so fucking cool. And it's another poet and he's like, what, what do you do? Like, uh, how, how are you doing? Like, they just kind of like greet each other and they're kind of, he's, he's, doesn't he say, do you mind if I sit down on this bench? Yeah. And so, yeah. so Patterson's already on the bench. Is that right? Yeah, he's already sitting there. He's already sitting there, and the Japanese guy comes and he's like, uh, he's like, he asks him, "What do you do?" And he's like, uh, "I'm bus." But before that, I think they start talking about poetry, right? Do you want to? I think so. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So he sits down next to him. Well, before I go on, a sidebar I want to have about this is, in terms of pacing, I think the dialogue could have been a little quicker. In, in that scene? scene? For me, yeah. Dude, yeah. I loved it. That's cool. That's all differences right. between us. All right, all right. I fucking okay. love it. Go ahead. Anyway, he sits down to him and he pulls out his version of um, 
oh, what was the poet's name? William, something with a C. Williams. William Carlos Williams. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know poetry, and man. something that's the most famous fucking American poet there. Like, I fucking know. <laughs> I'm not even... William C. Something. Oh, my God. I'm going to fucking make a film where there's... William C. Something? Where, uh, <laughs> where a dude says, who's that William C? I guarantee it's going to fucking wind up in one of my films. Do it. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he, he pulls out his version of that basically same book that Patterson owns, except for the fact that when he opens it, it's Japanese on one side and English on the other. Which was so fucking cool. Which was fucking cool. And then uh, Patterson sees that. He, he glimpses, at it, uh, glimpses at it. And uh, then the dude kind of asks him if he's interested in poetry. And he says yes. And again, he gets asked. The, dude, the, the Japanese poet asks him, are you a poet? And yes. he goes, no. No. Yeah. Which is so fucking cool. Yeah. That this is a guy that can't, he can't admit it to anyone other than his girl that he's a poet. Does the bartender know? I don't even think he admits it to his girlfriend. She calls right. him a poet. Yes. Good, he good never, point. he yeah. never does that. Yeah. Which is an indica- more indication of, of kind of her, her love, mm-hmm. like her appreciation of the dude. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, yeah. He uh, he asks him if he not pissing, pouring another glass of wine. Yeah, that's what he says. But but yeah. So the Japanese gentleman asks him if he's a poet. He says no, and then they kind of get in a small discussion about about poetry. I do like the line where he goes, "I'm a Japanese poet, but I never translate, or, or I never translate it." And then he uses the line because translating it or like translating a poem is like taking a shower with a raincoat on. I really like that. So it was like so fucking... A little nuanced kind of like comment about language. Oh my God. It so, was perfect. Yeah. That, and, that and, I like. That and I really I can liked. tell you this too, like from experience. So this is not, not from experience. Like, you know... I. I don't speak another language fluently. My point is, go find, ask someone that knows, get a shitty translator of Dostoevsky and a fucking brilliant one. And the difference in translations is fucking night and day. And and it it goes to like how difficult it is for, um, you know, to translate poetry like you could have a rhyme scheme or, um, you know, a sonnet form, but then when you translate it to English that has no words for that, it's, right. it's not going to translate. Exactly. And I just thought that was so cool. And it's also like, you know, thank God that, you know, when I did get an education, I had some really incredible teachers that, that taught or, you know, that even spoke to that and taught about how important it is like the best translate you gotta get you gotta figure out yourself who's mm-hmm. the best translator and yeah I just uh, so I could I could relate because I you know have a little bit of that background but anybody can like I, I can not yeah. that not, I didn't mean it that way that was too I'm trying to say Blaze. that was really shitty I mean like even Ray could no uh, Ray I, I you're one of the most intelligent people I fucking know. I'm just going to say Oh, here. shucks, man. And it's Thanks. not because I had a half a glass of wine. This dude is 
love fucking shit. And also, I'm not even going to go there. I'm just going to fit. Oh. Intelligence can be measured in so many different ways. Yeah. And like, <laughs> I think people, I think we misread intelligence. And uh, so many people have said it. Um, Einstein is was one of the most famous people that said, people without imagination, you know, you can... We only have one method of recording intelligence, and it's fucking bullshit. It's total bullshit. It's like, just because you can answer these questions of not necessarily logic, but some of it's logic and some of it's just memorization, that does not make you an intelligent human mm-hmm. being. In my, my mind, is intelligent human being is the amount of experiences you've had, the ability to have empathy, to put yourself in other people's shoes, and fucking imagination, baby, is the shit imagination but i hope we did a good job of setting up well that's that's that last scene is you know he's he's in this park and it's it's a you know pretty big waterfall and there's a, a bridge there and there's these trees and it is it is like chinese art you know it's like a something taken out of a if you've only seen a chinese calendar but it's it, that's what it feels like even though it's a Japanese artist that comes there. Um, well, there's some cool Japanese art. Dude. Well, Japanese art and Chinese art kind of over overlap, kind of. Kind We're of. not implying anything. Not implying anything. And uh, I'm using Lao Tzu because he's just one of my favorite poets who's Chinese and not Japanese. No, that I, moment I, I that mean. they spend together, and once again he denies that he's a poet. And th- so you set it up beautifully. But the other thing that I loved was when the... Japanese dude kind of senses that yeah. there's more to this guy yes. than just a guy, yes. whatever. And he says, what do you do? And he says, I'm a bus driver. And the Japanese guy says, "Aha, uh-huh. how poetic. Like, oh, well, that, after that. <laughs> he does. He says, he uh-huh. how poetic. How like, poetic. that's yeah. fucking poetry, mm-hmm. being a bus driver. And you see Patterson, this moment of kind of, he kind of gets teary-eyed. And you kind of like, and remember, folks. This is right after, spoiler, but it doesn't matter. I don't think for this film. We already talked the about the dog it. tore up the 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 his poetry, and you kind of and this is a this is a fucking uh, nod to uh, Adam Driver and his ability. He shows, like I feel like he's approaching this moment where he's like, "Fuck this! I'm I'm not a poet, and I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm just I'm this is this is the catalyst to me." saying fuck off poetry you know the dog chewed it up i spent all that time but like what am i doing anyway mm-hmm. and here he sits down with this dude and the dude says how fucking poetic and the dude senses that there's something else and he senses that guy sensing it and it's like he's reborn again he's like yeah. fuck yeah i'm a poet you know even though he doesn't say it his fucking eyes did you agree or yes. you think something yeah. different uh especially when uh so the after their conversation, the gentleman gets up to leave. He says, I'm leaving the next tomorrow. And then he hands him a brand new notebook before before he leaves. And I think that was, that was the moment. Maybe that's the moment you're referring to where it kind of gets that. No, absolutely. It, it's so good that you brought moment. that up. It's almost like mystical. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's, 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 again, it's as if, even though it's Lao Tzu, it's just the <laughs> poet that I know and love. A master shows up, almost like a, I don't want to say a ghost, but like a mystical figure, mm. out of place in Patterson, fucking New Jersey, and and asks, "Are you a poet?" 
or, you know, what do you do? And like, and he says, I'm a poet. And yet he knows that I'm getting the chills saying this. And this is what saves the film for me. Not that it needs to be saved, but that those two scenes, the things that I've been arguing and bitching about kind of bugged me enough. But this fucking threw me right back in. That just works on so many levels. And it's a perfect way to end the film. It's a master giving a gift to a new student or, you know, kind of a master student, I would say, based on the poetry that we hear in the film. And it's like, keep going, man. Keep going. Mm -hmm. And that's, without a doubt, in the film, you know, before that, you didn't know. Like, I felt like Adam Driver was indicating with his expressions, fuck this, I'm done. I'm just not going to do this. I'm not really a poet, blah, blah, blah. And then this dude comes and you see clearly on his face... A, a, rel, a revelation um, or a new catalyst kind of a I don't want to say epiphany because that doesn't quite fit but this yes I am a poet you know and a master just said how poetic you know what I do and so I'm going to continue and yeah. I, just, I just thought it was fucking killer and he I, I forgot what that li- last line he uh, he says to him when he hands him the notebook I think he said something like you, you maybe you have some use for this. It was something in that line. So it wasn't like write down your thoughts. It was like perhaps you have some use for this. Mm-hmm. Something like that. I want to say it was similar to actually what Method Man told him in the laundromat about Ooh. when when it strikes or something for when you know when the mood yeah, like inspiration strikes something along those lines. Um, is and this that, is this something that Google told you? No. That's something my brain told me, Blaze. <laughs> no, that's a good fucking. That's an excellent um, point. We got to fucking, dude. We got to do a research, man. We got to go research, back. Man. We'll tell you in our next episode what that is. But continue. Where are you? Um, and then he he turns to leave, and he turns back around again. And the last thing to him to, he says again is "aha." Yes. And then yeah. he then he leaves. So. Yeah. Well, that's an okay. indication that he knows for sure you are a fucking right. poet. Yeah. 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 It's fucking great. It's like, it's probably one of the best endings to a film I've ever seen. In my opinion. Like, I, I you know, I definitely like the Art Nouveau shit. Yeah. But like, well, it's it's funny because it's like, it, it is a really good ending, but also it's a very open, good, open-ended ending. Again. I don't think it's that open-ended. I think it's like, I'm a fucking poet. Yeah. This guy recognized it. I'm going to do it. This is like, I wasn't sure, and now I am. And to, aha, I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah was, all right. <laughs> no, you can say, hey, argue back, fucker. Don't fucking agree with me just to agree. No, because, like, I don't know, because then you You're don't You're agreeing like... because of my incredi- incredibly intelligent uh, summation, and the, the logic just struck me down. he's a professor. Yeah, um, fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, man, I'm talking about because it happened so soon after the climax. Which I think is brilliant pacing, where I was criticizing on the, on some pacing. Okay. Again, that's Fair fucking enough. brilliant. Like, Fair he's enough. like... But then we're just this. like... We're like, You're not prepared for the end, but here right, it is. Right. And I was going to say, but then that. we don't know what happens like, when and he goes Jeremy. back to, to his house. And, like, we never get, a, like, a... An ending per se with the girlfriend, like a closure thing. Thank God, 
Thank fucking... It goes back to You would have punched saying. your screen if you saw it one more I, time. I would have kicked like, my... Fuck fu- you. I would have hunted Jarmouche down and said, Motherfucker, when did you start doing cliche bullshit? No. Because we didn't hey, need hey, it. Hey, right? Hey. We didn't need it. No, no, no. So no, I no, get no, why no. you're saying open-ending, yes. but it, it's not that open-ending. If, if they would have had him go back and like... You know, oh, kissed his girlfriend or pulled, even pulled out his fucking notebook and started writing. Even that, I might have been like, Ooh. How about this? They ended with him going back and the mailbox is tilted again. Now that, I was going to say, if he went <laughs> yeah. back and the dog, he caught the dog pushing the mailbox over and he went, that's all right, Marvin. That's all right. I would be okay with that. And then he starts to fucking rap about it. Like, right? So this is funny because it sounds like towards the end of this, Ray and I got buzzed. And we're not buzzed at all. Like, it takes more than Oh, not at all. I'm, I'm working on my first beer. We're just beer. giddy about our love of the shit. And I hope that comes through in the podcast. And I think the most, I feel like we're at an end point. Do you agree? I do too. I think we've pretty much discussed everything about it. Know. I figured out, a, I think, a great way to end this yeah. is to read some of the poetry that he writes Ooh. in the fucking film. And we spoke about some of it. We didn't speak a ton right. about it, but let's yeah. do it. Because we didn't memorize a lot of I mean, I don't remember a lot of the actual right. poems. But we yeah, talked about the it. matches and stuff. So here's one of the first poems that he's writing. This is like, this really, like... It's almost like if you're a you know a hunting dog and your ears perk up. This when you heard this first, you were like listening to see is this guy really a good poet and like what what is the poetry? But anyway, this is titled Love Poem. We have plenty of matches in our house. We keep them on hand always. Currently, our favorite brand is Ohio Blue Tip. Though we used to prefer Diamond Brand. That was before we discovered Ohio Blue Tip matches. They are excellently packaged, sturdy little boxes with dark and light blue and white labels, with words lettered in the shape of a megaphone, as if to say even louder to the world, here is the most beautiful match in the world. It's one and a half inch soft pine stem capped by a grainy dark purple head so sober and furious and stubbornly ready to burst into flame. Lighting perhaps the cigarette of the woman you love for the first time. And it was never really the same after that. All this will we give you. That is what you gave me. I become the cigarette and you the match or I the match and you the cigarette blazing with kisses that smolder towards heaven. Should I read another one or should we end it there? The end. No, that's a good ending point, man. I like that. I think it is, yeah. Yeah. And, there, and there's two other poems that are fun. There's other poems that are great, but... That's, a, yeah, that's a mushy part for you right there. It was kind of mushy, but it also <laughs> summed up everything we talked about. And yeah. Like, even reading that again, um, you mentioned I've become the cigarette and you the match or I the mm-hmm. match of cigarette, but blazing with kisses that smolder towards heaven, it, it, it's totally fitting because... He relearns his love for her several times, even yeah. though he's questioned. <laughs> he relearns it, and that kind of felt like we just did that. We gave the audience like why he yeah. loves her and sticks with her, and it, yeah, 
I'm going to shut the fuck up. Me too. Uh, finish this beer. Yeah. Anyway, well, I guess I guess I guess that's it. 